Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. No one covers the Bengals like ESPN 1530. Cincinnati Sports Station. Hi there. Good afternoon. I'm Mo Edgar. This is ESPN 1530. Thank you uh, for listening today. I uh, I sincerely hope you're having a terrific Wednesday afternoon. I know I am. Hopefully you are as well. Uh, we're going to make some money on the U.S. Open with our guy Cam Rogers in uh, 40 minutes. And uh, looking forward to that. This is my favorite major in large part because... It often takes place at courses we don't know a ton about. I think that applies to this week. That convo, that's right, I call it a convo coming up at uh, 345. Reds win again last night. They are doing, I think, two things that are are important and indicative of a, a good team. Last night after the second inning, the Reds had exactly two base runners. They did not have a hit. After the second inning against Jordan Lyles and a bunch of Kansas City relievers. The the Reds' offense spent the last seven innings looking completely and totally inept. Now, to their credit, they kind of nickel and dimed their way to a 5-1 lead with the five runs in the second inning, a rally started by an Ellie De La Cruz walk, which, again, is not insignificant. Um, and then they stopped scoring, and they stopped scoring – along with uh, the Royals themselves kind of nickel-and-diming Brandon Williamson, if you will. And as the evening went on, you're kind of wondering, when is the lack of offense going to catch up to them? When is showing no life offensively after the second inning going to come back to haunt them? Uh, Is this going to be one of those losses where it, it feels like more than just a loss because they blew a pretty substantial early lead. Well, as it turns out, they don't lose the game. They win it on the backbone, on the shoulders of some high-end relief pitching, specifically in a tough situation in the uh, seventh inning from uh, Lucas Sims, who we're going to talk about here in a bit. The Reds win the ballgame 5-4. So there's two things about last night that I think stand out. I've I've, kind of talked about this for years Bad teams, and God knows we've seen bad baseball teams here. Bad teams, the next day after they lose, uh, we can spend a lot of time talking about why they lost. And so it might be, God, you know what, after building a 5-1 lead, they couldn't play add-on baseball. They stopped scoring. They stopped getting guys on base. The offense was putrid. The offense was punchless. The offense was almost non-existent. Or the the, the starting pitcher failed to really uh, take advantage of having the 5-1 lead and, and couldn't help but give back a couple of runs. Or maybe the defense broke down at precisely the wrong point. Or the bullpen caved in and only could uh, you know stem the tide for so long before ultimately they were going to cough up the lead and it felt like in the seventh inning that was going to happen last night. Bad teams, bad baseball teams, bad bad teams in every sport. There's a long list of reasons why they lose. Bad teams lose because of. Good teams win in spite of. 
We've beaten this to death with the Bengals for years, right? Good teams win in spite of maybe your defense stinks. Maybe you can't pass protect. Uh, perhaps your quarterback doesn't have all of his weapons. Maybe there's some shaky uh, whistles. Whatever it is, good teams figure out a way to get past it. Bengals went to the Super Bowl in spite of a putrid offensive line. Last night, albeit not against a very good team, but still the Reds win in Kansas City. They extend the winning streak to four. They continue to make the claim that they are in contention this year in spite of offensively after the second inning, basically looking like they were asleep. And you, you got to give, first of all, Jordan Lyles and then uh, the two relievers that Kansas City used credit, but still. They found a way to win the baseball game. First of all, they did score the five runs in the second inning. That is certainly not an insignificant total. Secondly, they got very good bullpen work. So there's the first thing. They figure out a way to win in spite of. They've done that during this stretch, however you want to define this stretch. They've done that often. Maybe they have won in spite of a shaky starting pitching performance. Maybe they have won it in spite of a guy blowing a save like the other night. Salvador Perez tying the game, two outs in the ninth inning. Uh, maybe they've had to win in spite of, you know, leaving a whole bunch of guys on base. It's what good teams do. They did it last night. They did it two nights ago. Win in spite of. The other thing to me that I think we're starting to see that is, I think, reflective of what a very good team does. They have different heroes emerge almost every single night. And, you know, look, Ellie De La Cruz is getting a lot of run right now. Deservedly so. Matt McClain is getting a lot of run right now. Uh, deservedly so. Jonathan India has gotten a lot of run. TJ Friedel has gotten a lot of run. And, you know, again, de deservedly so. But uh, Kevin Newman had a big hit last night. Kevin Newman drove in a big run on Monday night. Last night, the main hero, as far as I was concerned, was Lucas Sims. Uh, I, I don't know why Austin Elmore hates Ian Jabot as much as he does, but Ian Jabot last night was completely and totally ineffective, and nursing a one-run lead, you're thinking there's almost no chance the Reds get out of this. Uh, Jabot loads the bases uh, without giving up a hit. Um, he was terrible. Lucas Sims comes in, and if you're like me, you're simply hoping that they can get out of the bottom of the seventh inning tied. You know what? If you give up the tying run, give up a fly ball, give up a sacrifice fly, that's fine. We can live with that. Uh, but it felt like he was going to cough up the lead. And then in an example of the 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 most nasty, I think that's the best way to put it, the, the nastiest, that's the best way to put it. Thank you. I'm a wordsmith. The nastiest I've ever seen Lucas Sims throw um, he strikes out the two hitters, the first one looking, the second one swinging, looking just filthy, filthy. And at that point, obviously you still wish the Reds would have tacked on a run. They didn't. You still had to get six outs, but I felt pretty good at that point. Uh, Lucas Sims, since he came off the injured list, we've seen some very, very good. We've seen some not so good. But last night was, to a degree, the Lucas Sims game. Bases loaded, one out, one run game. Offense has been put to sleep. Uh, he gets out of the jam, gets out of the, the gets out of the jam without even allowing any contact. And so it might be hyperbole to suggest that last night was the Lucas Sims game, but 
it's it's happening a lot with this team. And and yes, the, you know the A-listers are doing their part. Matt McLean has been for some a a revelation, and Ellie De La Cruz is the the talk of the sport right now. But man, more than anything else, th- there's something sort of Bengal esque about that, right? We we discuss how great Joe Burrow is and the impact of Jamar Chase and all the stars, all the very good players on defense. But if you've watched the Bengals over the last couple of years, you've had these moments where Samaj P. Ryan does something huge, or Trent Nerwin does something huge, uh, or uh, B.J. Uh, Hill does something huge, or somebody that you're typically not expecting that much from. Uh, Jermaine Pratt with an interception in a playoff game. Not bad players. In fact, I just mentioned a whole bunch of guys who are pretty damn good players. But, you know, these 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 guys that just step up and at precisely the right time do something big. And that's starting to happen with the Reds. Uh, you know, even as much fun as we had with the Ricky Karcher experience and as much as the Kansas City Royals did everything they could on Monday to help Ricky Karcher in the 10th inning last night. And even though Ricky, at least for the time being, is no longer a Cincinnati Red in a tough spot, in a tough situation, the guy recorded three outs and didn't give up the lead in a situation where it felt like he was almost destined to. Um, so you're going to hear the, the clip here in a bit. We'll play it after the break. That has kind of gone viral today of Jeff Passan of ESPN uh, kind of wondering out loud, like, are are the Reds the team to beat in the National League Central? And I, I have thoughts on this. And I'll share them and we could talk about them, but I'm just I'm looking for signs every single season that maybe this particular year is going to be different, and I think you have those things that stand out. Can this team figure out a way to win when things go poorly? Things went very poorly in many respects the other night. They fell behind 3-0 against a pitcher who's probably going to be in Cooperstown one day. They blow a lead after coming all the way back in the bottom of the ninth inning. They use a dude in his big league debut whose minor league ERA, triple A ERA, was 9-5-2, and they figure out a way to win the game. They they build a 5-1 lead. Uh, they give some of those runs back with Brandon Williamson. Offensively, they fall asleep for the last seven innings. They still figure out on the road a way to win the ball game. This is insanely fun right now. This is incredibly refreshing, but the more you watch and the more you pay attention to not just the Reds, but the landscape around them and specifically the National League Central where, you know, again, today we're, we're watching the Milwaukee Brewers and they're trailing the Minnesota Twins by a score of four or two. Uh, the Brewers have spent the most amount of time in first place of any team in the division this year. Right now they are looking up at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Milwaukee is a game back. Cincinnati two and a half back, which means they're a game and a half behind the Brewers. And uh, again, Milwaukee is losing today. As you pay attention to everything happening around the Reds and as you watch this team mature and evolve and grow, I don't know how you, you don't start to get excited about the here and now and about their chances this season. Because even if it's against inferior opposition and the Cardinals and Royals, the teams they've beaten in this little mini-streak here, those are inferior opponents. We'll maybe learn a lot more about them this weekend when they go to Houston. They're really starting to exhibit the signs of a damn good team. The sort of team that, yeah, wins a division, plays in the playoffs. Can you even think for a second if you allow your mind to kind of run wild, can you even imagine 
a year after losing 100 games and being a national punchline and a local afterthought, can you even imagine the season after where you're going to go and folks demanding that ownership sell the team? Can you even imagine the Reds in the postseason as a division champion? I, I I might not wager on that outcome, but I certainly think it's one worth entertaining. And today, at least, it, despite their record, that doesn't seem like a pipe dream. Might not feel like a likelihood, but it's most definitely not a pipe dream. When you're winning the sort of games, it's it's one thing you you reel off a, a nine to two victory or uh, you blow somebody out. I don't know, eleven to four. It's something else when at the end of a mostly frustrating game, your team is the one shaking hands with each other. That's the sort of stuff that happens when expectations are being exceeded and when a team's a bona fide contender. It is immensely fun to watch. And I I just... (laughs) Well, I think we thought the Reds would be better in the win-loss column this year. The rate with which this has happened, where in the middle of June, we are now entertaining their NL Central title bona fides. And yeah, I get it. It's mostly or largely at least based on the fact that nobody else in this division is very good. Everybody in the National League Central has a negative uh, run differential, but still. The rate which with things are accelerating with this team the rate with which things are moving, the excitement that's being generated, and just the pure likability of this team. All just something very, very awesome to behold. 18 minutes after 3 o'clock. My phone number is 513-749-1530 and uh, 866-702-3776. We'll get you in as well. You are welcome to send me a tweet at Moegger on the Delta Dental Twitter feed, Delta Dental is building healthy, smart, vibrant communities for all. Go to DeltaDentalOH.com. There's a lot to get to. We talk about new heroes emerging. I think something has kind of happened with this team that is almost flown under the radar. We're going to spend some time on that. But first, let's let's address some folks' Joey Votto concerns because I want to know if they have watched the same player I have for 15 years. Next on ESPN 1530. You know, sometimes the the key to life is timing, right? In fact, quite often the uh, key to life is timing. Timing for the Reds this year might work out. Nobody in this division is very good. Uh, Nobody in this division is uh, capable of running away. And uh, the the team that everybody, you know, I, I think the consensus favorite before the season, St. Louis Cardinals, have been a mess for the first uh, two and a half months. So, I mean, yeah, look, are uh, are the Reds sitting there 15 over 500? No, there's still a couple of games under, but uh, their proximity to first place, yeah, it has has a lot to do with the fact that nobody else in this division is good. You know what? That's okay. Even if, even if the Reds were in a division that had a team that was eight or nine over and, you know, they weren't very close to first place, I, I think you'd be fooling yourself if you didn't think – that the way they've played through 68 games is indicative of, as I keep saying, the the arrow being pointed upward for this franchise and, and for this for this baseball team. Uh, Joey Votto is going to come back here soon, uh, at least we think. Um, 
Reds have a good thing going from a chemistry perspective. They've got a good mix of young players. Some of the roster decisions here could be very, very tough. Nick Senzel is on his way back. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're going to have some some tough decisions to make here. That is good, by the way. That's what you want, right? want to root for a team in which the decisions are are difficult. And so how does Joey Votto fit in? Um, On a day-to-day basis, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, my guess is Joey is, is not going to join the team and then never play. Uh, my guess is he is going to be given a chance – to contribute and be given a chance to show that he can still be a productive player. And I'm all for that. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's that hard to figure out a way to get him a B's. Uh, they've moved Spencer steer around a little bit, even though he has gotten the bulk of the run at first base, they still obviously do have a DH at their disposal. By the way, really quick, there is a terrific piece on a website called Reds Content Plus that sort of does a a really good deep examination into uh, Tyler Stevenson's offensive production and the, quote, perceived lack thereof. It's worth your time. Joey Votto, in in some way, shape, or form, is going to be given chances to show that he can be a productive player. And based on what he does in those opportunities, then dominoes will fall a certain way. Either he will have earned more playing time uh, or uh, they'll not play him as much. What's interesting to me, and, and I I have seen and I've heard people worry about how this is going to unfold. I, I I think I made this remark yesterday that I, I hear folks wonder how, well, how's Joey going to affect the chemistry? But, you know, first of all, they've added a bunch of guys to the team this year. Nobody worried like, How's Ellie Dela Cruz going to impact the chemistry? And I get it. That guy's ceiling is very high, and he certainly looks like he has fit right in. Or we want them to acquire players via trade, going all in, be buyers at the deadline. Okay, well, you're not worried about how the, the guy you get at the deadline is going to impact your chemistry? From that vantage point, think of everything you have come to know about Joey Votto over the course of almost 16 years. Everything you've watched, everything you have read, everything you have listened to, every piece of Joey Votto content there has been since day one in the big leagues. Has there been anything about him that would suggest he's going to disrupt the chemistry? By the way, Joey Votto was the guy who last year on a miserable team, very much in transition, was I think trying to build chemistry. Right? We talked about him sort of exploring this side of his personality that we really hadn't seen all that much of, kind of lightening things, bringing some levity. That personality on that team last year might have stood out. That personality on this team this year seems to me like it's going to fit right in. And by the way, if he's no good, if he doesn't perform all that well, think about everything you've come to know about him since he, he joined the Reds just after Labor Day in 2007. Has there been anything about him that would make you think that if he is his playing time is reduced, that he's going to create a stir, cause a problem, be a headache for his manager? Like, I understand if, if the Reds are whole and they're healthy and baseball teams are rarely whole for a long stretch of time, chances are 
somebody will get hurt and it will impact decisions made about other players. But think about everything you have watched, everything you have come to learn about one of the most cerebral and thoughtful players ever. If the concern is he could underperform and that's going to create an issue, what is that based on? Is there anything about Joey Votto that would make you think, if he performs at a high level, you're going to want him to play more. And if he performs at a high enough level that you want him to play more, you're not going to be that worried about stunting somebody's growth. And chances are, if Joey Votto is killing it, whoever he would possibly replace, if that guy is also killing it, they're going to find a way to play him somewhere. Again, Spencer Steer last week got some time in left field. And if he doesn't perform well, everything I've come to know about Joey Votto watching him would suggest that if they reduced his role and he became a bench player, uh, he would accept it and he would understand it. He's got eyes. He knows math. He is aware of how old he is. He understands it. He knows what's happening around him. I just, maybe it's just me and you could tell me if it is 513-749-1530. This is just not something that I think is, it's it's interesting and I think it's going to be worth talking about. You've got a, a potential Hall of Fame player coming back to a team that is playing very well, that's developed a good mix of guys and that a potential Hall of Fame player has no deal for next season, so there's that dynamic, too. It's interesting, and how David Bell and the team itself handles this I think is going to be really fun to watch. But I don't think there's going to be anything about Joey Votto that is disruptive, either to the chemistry or just to how the way the team is playing. Tell me if I'm wrong, 513-749-1530. This is a concern you have, I think, if the player you're talking about is selfish. You could say a lot of things about Joey Votto. I do not think you could call him selfish. 29 away from uh, 4 o'clock. Numbers are 513-749-1530. Preview the U.S. Open with our guy Cam Rogers coming up in uh, 15 minutes. My name is Mo Egger. Sports headlines coming up on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Sports Update is a service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and... Uh, guaranteed credit approval from their family to yours for life. KelseyChev.com. Reds and Royals again tonight in Kansas City. Cincinnati looking for a fifth straight win. 8-10 is tonight's first pitch. Ben Lively will throw against lefty Daniel Lynch. Are you ready for the starting lineup? Here it is. Notice I did not say get out your scorecards because now I get fined if I say that. I don't get fined for that one, Darren. Starting lineup this evening, uh, Newman's playing third, McLean's at second, India is DHing, Ellie De La Cruz is playing shortstop and batting fourth, Spencer Steers at first base, Tyler Stevenson behind the dish, Stu Fairchild in left, TJ Hopkins in right, Jose Barrero in uh, center field, 8-10 tonight's first pitch. As I mentioned, the game can be heard live, of course, on 700 WLW, Tommy Thrall. Tommy calling the games with uh, the Creeper, with uh, Chris Welsh. Chris, Chris doing radio this week? Yes. Uh, I've I've been uh, I've watched TV the last two nights. My f- and uh, Jeff Brantley's awesome. And John say we have to talk about John Sadak's barbecue sauce. Actually, it was barbecue sauce. We have to talk about that call in a second because I want him to expand upon this. Uh, I, I don't know if John Sadak in in Kansas City as he prepares for tonight's broadcast on the TV side. I don't know if he's listening to our show. But I want that call last night that we'll play for you in a bit 
to I want that to usher in a new era, and I'll 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 explain uh, a little bit later on. Uh, and Barry Larkin's my all-time favorite Red, so I enjoy watching. My favorite pairing, though, of all the broadcasters, is when Tommy Thrall and Chris Welsh are together. Now, Jeff Brantley is terrific. I think Chris Welsh. Chris Welsh has been doing Reds games, obviously mainly on television the last few years. His his radio work has increased. Has been doing Reds games for 30 years. Um, I would be willing to 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 hold up the the work that Chris has done doing Reds games on mostly television for the last three decades against any color analyst in the sport, locally or nationally. Uh, and on radio, he gets a little bit more time to talk just because on radio you have to talk more and he does some play-by-play and the, the chemistry between him and Tommy is outstanding. I, uh, I'm a nerd. I admit this. So, like, I'm, I love Hall of Fame arguments. Uh, I also always think it's interesting to see who they put in as the Ford C. Frick Award winner in Cooperstown. Obviously, the the award that, that Marty Brenneman won in, in 2000, and deservedly so. Marty Brenneman was put in the Hall of Fame. And as a technical matter, broadcasters aren't technically put in the Hall of Fame. They win the Ford C. Frick Award, but who cares? He's in the Hall of Fame as far as most of us are concerned. He was given that award after 26 years and then ended up broadcasting for another 19 after he he won the award. And a a whole bunch of national and local broadcasters have, have gone in, and it's terrific. Color analysts, baseball broadcasting color analysts are criminally underrepresented on the list of Ford C. Frick Award winners. So, for instance, when I was a kid, I watched the Cubs every day at 220 on WGN. Steve Stone and Harry Carey and Dwayne Stats. And Steve Stone was and is still awesome. He does White Sox games. Has been doing uh, color analyst uh, color analysis for uh, locally for almost four decades. He's done some ESPN work. And he just constantly gets overlooked because they put play-by-play guys in and nothing against the play-by-play people who have won the award. Chris Wells should win that award one year. And you know, that award typically goes to play-by-play broadcasters, the Roselle award, which is uh, the football hall of fame equivalent. Bob Trumpy has won it. Bob was a color analyst. Uh, They've had studio hosts win it like Chris Berman and both very deservedly. So, um, the color analyst role in Cooperstown, insanely underrepresented. Now, Tim McCarver is in, and again, understandably so. He called a thousand World Series as a color guy, but a whole bunch of local play-by-play guys are in. No, uh, t- to my knowledge, no local color man. Um, Chris Wells should go in. I don't even know why I got off on that, but there you go. Uh, Tommy and Chris. I By talking about John Sadak. John Sadak might be a Ford C. Frick Award winner, and if he is one day, they should use, first of all, the that ball has a family, Ellie De La Cruz call last week, and then last night's barbecue sauce on the Lucas Sims uh, strikeout looking. Um, I had something else. Oh, the uh, Florence Yalls are at uh, Sussex County. Is that Sussex County, New Jersey? Taryn, look up where the Florence Yalls are playing tonight. I want to be accurate for our audience. Uh, Bengals, it's a day two of mandatory minicamp. Has there any major any major news unfolding at uh, the stadium that used to be called Paul Brown Stadium? Anything, uh, Jonah Williams, we're, we're kind of done with that. Yeah. Day two. Has Joe Burrow talked more about country music? No, he doesn't like it. 
Uh, Paul Daner Jr. on the Bengals yesterday was outstanding. If you missed that segment, you should listen to it. Not right now, but like maybe at 6 o'clock. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, you yeah, could also Sussex find County, it. New, New Jersey. Sussex County, New Jersey. What town in Sussex County, New Jersey does the team play? Augusta. Augusta, New Jersey. And what is the uh, name of the team in uh, in Sussex County, in Augusta, New Jersey? Uh, the Miners. They're playing the Miners. All right, so you have the Sussex County Miners. At Skyland Stadium. Skyland Stadium in Augusta, New Jersey. All right, but I want to know where... You know, like in that league, they you know, they have like a team that's in Windy City. I guess that's near Chicago. And I like it when I have an idea of where they are. Sussex, there could be 50 states. There could be 50 Sussex counties for all I know. I don't know. I am looking on their website here. Sussex County Miners. Tomorrow is Manly Man Night. I got to learn more about Manly Man Night. If I click on the thing, though, it doesn't take me to a link. Manly man night. All right, well. Uh, anyway, Daner on the Bengals was good. You should listen to a podcast or a service of uh, Long Neck Sports Grill. Uh, more baseball, more Reds. Uh, we'll get to the idea of the Reds being the team to beat in the Central. And, and. Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. Uh, something has happened with this team that I think has escaped the, the notice of at least a few. That coming up at 4.05. But first, let's make some uh, money on the U.S. Open. Cam Rogers next. Who's on the DL? Getting ESPN 1530 from iHeartRadio. I um, it's not the DL anymore. I've I've not gotten like excited about somebody famous ever following me on Twitter, except for when Martha Quinn did. Uh, and she still follows me. So does Cam Rogers. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Cam, almost as excited as I would be to talk with uh, Martha Quinn. Cam is host of the uh, Lock It In podcast on Believe. Uh, I saw him on uh, the Today Show talking about the U.S. Open, stadium sports betting analyst as well. Uh, and, and he joins us uh, every year before the majors. You know, typically typically I'll ask you, like, well, what's the big storyline? Well, the big storyline going into uh, to this weekend in L.A. is obviously live golf and the PGA, the merger, whether it's not going to happen, whether it will happen. It's not that different from last week. That still looms over everything happening this weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does, and unfortunately so here, Mo. I want to talk about the U.S. Open and the fine golf that we have before us, but you can't avoid it. This is the story in golf right now, and we've got some things to figure out as far as Congress is concerned. Some senators have come out publicly saying they are going to review this deal. It's very possible this deal won't go through, which could create just a whole other domino effect as far as the future of the PGA Tour is concerned. The Saudis could still be ruling the game of golf. Live could be the most prominent golf league out there. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm saying that because the PGA Tour had a financial problem. And that's why they welcomed the Saudis to the table. So for the good of the game, I hope this deal goes through, Mo, but it does scream a little antitrusty. So we'll see what happens. All right, you're a gambling guy. Put odds on this actually happening. 
You know, that's a great question. And <laughs> I'm more pessimistic now <laughs> about this going through than I was a week ago. Listen, I'm going to say plus 220 hmm. that the deal goes through. And I'll say plus 110 that the deal does not go through. So either way, um, you're going to have a situation where you're getting plus money. And I'm thinking that the favorite right now is this deal doesn't happen. The more I read into it, Mo, you know, senators are putting comparisons out there to when I think JetBlue and American Airlines wanted to merge together and they did not allow that to happen. This is a very real scenario. So we'll continue to follow the story. Um, let's talk about the actual tournament this weekend. So what I love about the U.S. Open is it feels like in this major more than any other, we have courses that we just don't know a whole lot about. And that obviously could impact what you're doing from a gambling perspective this weekend. Tell us what we know about the course at the Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, very little, to be honest with you. We've barely seen it over the last century. We saw it at the Walker Cup back in 2017. Scotty Scheffler Colin Morikawa played back then, but the course went through a redesign in between now and today, uh, then and today. So, listen, it's your classic Parkland golf course, 7,400 yards, par 70, similar vibe to the country club at Brookline last year at the U.S. Open. But I'm hearing about Augusta National-esque vibes as well, a whole lot of undulations, and actually some wider fairways than what we're used to. We're used to these really thin fairways at U.S. Opens. Not the case here this week. The landing areas aren't too bad. The issue is it's visually demanding. A lot of your tee shots are going to be blind, and so you have to trust your line at the tee. And then, you know, you factor in the fact, Mo, that, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's study day, right? you got to study up and get your research in because – Everybody's in the same bucket, in essence. Nobody knows about this thing, and they've got three days to understand it come Thursday, of course, when day one of competition starts. So it's going to be quite a think test, if you will. You're really going to think your way around this golf course, but I think any style of golfer can win here this week. You mentioned the name of the betting favorite, Scotty Scheffler, and I could certainly under- understand why with the way he is playing that he is the odds-on favorite to win this weekend, but should I trust his putter in the U.S. Open enough to put some money on him? You can't. I mean, not at this price, Mo. Plus 600? Like, we're getting dangerously close to Tiger Woods-era numbers in terms of the betting market. We're talking about a field of 156 players, and so many of them are playing well. Talking about Shoffley and Victor Hovland and Tyrrell Hassan is at 34-1. to I mean, I just can't go there. It's purely a price play for me right now with Scotty Scheffler. Yes, he's playing great ball-striking-wise right now, and that can save him as far as scores are concerned. But I don't know if he can at this golf course. I mean, the greens are uber difficult. And if he's bleeding strokes with his putter, he's not going to be able to score. And so I think he's going to fall behind in that respect. But I still think he's in for a decent week. The problem is you're just not going to get paid a lot of money when you bet on him because his prices are so short. Yeah, I I think he's a fun pick, a good pick if you're in a one and done. I think from a pure gambling perspective, the the value just isn't there. So give me somebody near the top of the list that stands out. I really love Patrick Cantlay this week, 17-1. to So his number is creeping shorter as we go throughout the week here. But he has not missed a cut in the last five U.S. Opens, one of six players in this field alone who ranks above average in driving distance, driving accuracy, iron game, and around the green game. Number one on tour in total driving, two, top ten 
at the PGA Championship. 11 of the last 14 U.S. Open winners were first-time major victors. I think that can be the case here for Patrick Cantlay this week. He's my guy to win. All right, Cam Rogers with us, host of Lock It In on the Believe Network. He is our golf guy talking U.S. Open. Give me a long shot that stands out. Justin Rose, can I interest you in him a little bit? Hmm. He's 48-1 to as we stand. And listen, he's a guy who won earlier this year at Pebble Beach, having a career resurgence. This is his best approach season since 2015, best putting and wedge season since 2019. 12th on tour in strokes game total. Three straight top 12 finishes on tour. Like him a lot. If you want me to go deeper down the board, Adam Scott is really interesting at 75 to 1, playing really well on the PGA Tour right now, making cuts, finishing inside the top 10 in three of his last four starts. The driver is fantastic, and he's one of the best iron players, long iron players to be more specific on the PGA Tour, meaning, you know, those distances of 175 yards and out. He's really good. And you're going to see that a lot here this week on a very long golf course. All right, let me throw the long shot that stood out to me at you. In fact, I'm looking at it. The price has actually changed. I got Patrick Reed at plus 8,000. I'm looking at it right now. It's actually at plus 9,000. Talk me out of that. Yeah, you know, people hate to bet on Patrick Reed because nobody likes him. So you get a really nice price on him every mm-hmm. time he plays. Listen, he's a cut maker, Mo. He's made 12 of his last 13 major cuts. So the guy grinds, and he's one of the best short game players in the world, top 20 at the PGA Championship. I think he's a safe bet for a made cut prop for sure. I would lock that in. And, hey, I think it's worth a sprinkle in the outright market. Obviously, he's won a major championship before. He's coming on over from Liv, and he just sort of lurks, lurks and lurks. So I think he's certainly going to play the weekend, and I feel like this golf course requires artistry a little bit. And I think that favors somebody like a Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, and particularly Patrick Reed here. So I'm not going to talk you out of it. I think it's worth a sprinkle. All right. Very good. I feel better. Uh, you could uh, check out more of this on Cam's podcast, a Lock It In podcast on the Believe Network entire U.S. Open betting preview in much greater detail. Always awesome to have you with us, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mo. Appreciate you. You're awesome. Uh, Cam Rogers is uh, the best. Lock it in on Believe U.S. Open underway tomorrow in Los Angeles. Uh, Are the Reds the team to beat in the National League Central? A major, prominent, well-known baseball analyst says, might be that and our response coming up at uh, 4.05. Plus, something very quietly has happened with this team that let's go ahead and give the credit where it's due for it. That is... Coming up, and uh, we'll look at a couple of injuries happening with the Reds with uh, Dr. Angel Velasquez from OrthoCincy as well. And what I hope last night's barbecue sauce John Seda call ignites and Brennan and Jones on baseball. That is a loaded hour of sports talk radio. And you know what the most important thing is? It's free. Coming up on 4 o'clock ESPN 1530. Hey, look at this. We are... We are starting two minutes early. How about that? This is ESPN 1530. What you are listening to right now, this is bonus content, okay? We normally don't go on until five minutes after. The two minutes of Sports Talk Radio you are listening to right now, bonus content. This is like if you go to a baseball game and the game goes 10, 11 innings, you're getting innings you didn't pay for. This is free extra bonus content. How about that? What? Tell you what, you chose the right day to listen. I'm Mo Egger. This is ESPN 1530. Let's not waste it. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if the Reds are the team to beat in the National League Central. That amazing sports talk radio take is coming up in uh, just a few minutes. But uh, b- because we've uh, started the hour early and because we're in a, a charitable mood, what we're going to do is is start the the hour with a, a phone call or two. The, the numbers are 513-749-1530 and uh, 866-702-3776. Dan, uh, you're on ESPN 1530. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing all right, Mo. You? I'm uh, I'm doing great. Hey, so can you hear me? Uh, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Uh, I I can. I'm, you know, I'm talking. To oh, wait a minute. Hang, oh, hang on a second. Wait, hang on a second. I I could could you could you speak a little bit uh, louder for me? Can, can you hear me now? Yeah. Now, yeah. Well, actually, can you speak even louder? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you just talk like that um, the entire phone call? I can talk like this the entire phone call. <laughs> Do you want me to? No, not really. I'm just screwing with you. Alright, alright. So look, listen. So I heard you talk about the Vado thing. I think Vado's chill, he's cool. Mm-hmm. He are he not like if you if you listen to his interviews for the last however many years, I could see this dude managing. For real, like I don't know if he's got it in him to want to do that, but like I think he'd be cool with whatever the Reds plans are for him. Uh, personally, I think he's going to be DH. I think you're going to have Spencer Steer covering first base. Uh, but it's good for hey Senzel. You know, he, before he went out, he 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 was up top like uh, hitting home runs and and everything. I yeah, mean, he's going back to third base. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's it's not just Joey Votto they're going to have to work in. Will Myers is currently rehabbing, and you mentioned uh, Nick Senzel, and Jake Fraley at some point will come back, and Joey Votto. But, I mean, you know, the, the team is currently constructed. I, I look at their outfield, nothing against what they've been able to accomplish. There's There's room for guys to play, and there are going to be openings based on injury, based on other players maybe not performing, other players not being as – as hot as they might have been at the beginning of the season, I just. But if you're if you're worried that Joey Votto specifically is going to disrupt the mojo or the uh, the chemistry, I I think that's woefully unfair to a guy that we've we've had a chance to to watch for a while and who has a pretty firmly established reputation. Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. I, if anything, if Votto can just come in, I don't think. I honestly think he's our DH. Uh, I feel like, um, man, the Reds got a good pride. They got so many guys like Will Myers, like the dude's making like no offense to Will Myers, but like I almost cut him like they did. Uh, who's the Japanese guy they cut ties with? Shog- Was it last year? Sh- Shogo Akiyama. Yeah, like you just cut him. Like, you know what I mean? You're going to eat the salary, but, I mean, I, I feel like Will Myers, before he got hurt or whatever, he wasn't doing much of anything. Bring up Seth. So, hey, so this is my second half lineup, and tell me if you like it. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? No, go ahead. All right, hold on. I got to I gotta pull this up. Are you driving? No, okay. I kinda, I'm kind of going slow walking, slow okay, driving. I no. but I, are you I'm slow on, walking? Oh, wait, are you, there's a difference between slow walking and slow driving. I, I don't. I don't want I'm you to be. Bu- okay. Okay. What? Okay. Look. You know what, Mel? I'm going to pull over just for you oh, and, and okay. for others on the road. Oh, great. That's that's a very good idea. It's very kind of you. Very considerate. I like it. Okay. Look. So I pulled over. So look. I got Fr- uh, Friedel, uh, India, Vado, 
and this is all in order. This is how I'm going to hit them. Okay. Dela Cruz, McLean, Spencer Steer. I, I'm bringing up Edwin, that Seth kid, that uh, Christian Edwin what Strand. Cr- Christian and Carnacion Strand. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> and then uh, Stevenson. Uh-huh. And then Fraley or Benson bat ninth. Yeah, I, I like, don't. That's a, that, that's a heck of a lineup. That's a very good lineup. Yeah, I, I have I have no issue with that lineup. But I I don't know that I would have I I might I don't know that I would have McLean quite as low. But it's hard to argue with Friedel India one too. I, I don't know that I'd hit Joey Votto third right now either. Quite frankly, that, that but, is that is true. Um, but, but it's a good problem. Like I feel like we we have not had like everybody. You know, I'll be honest with you, Mo, real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. Hmm. I was telling my buddies before the season started. I'm like, man. I feel weird about this Reds team. I feel like they all thought I was crazy. I went last year, I said, uh... Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. India missed, like, I feel like half the year. Uh, Votto, same thing. I said Senzel, he is what he is. He always getting hurt. I said, if these guys can stay healthy, plus we got Dela Cruz and all these prospects. And then I, I went and looked at their one-run losses that they had last year. Mm-hmm. I said, if you can, if you can win half of those one, those one-run losses, they're a five hundred, almost a five hundred club. And then. Uh- Actually, actually, last year the Reds' record in uh, one run. uh, This year, their their record in one run or extra inning games is eleven and fourteen. If I'm not mistaken, this year, yeah, which isn't great, but it's uh, to the best of my knowledge, and it's not like I can't look this up. uh, That winning percentage is far superior to to last year. Correct, and 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 that's not taking. I told these guys, I'm like, man, if they can just stay healthy and change the outcome of half of those one-loss games, I said, I feel like this team is there. Well, actually, and, I lied to you. I just looked it up. Last year, they were better than you probably think. In one run or extra inning games, they were 23 and 25. Yeah, 23 and 25. Yeah. So, hmm. um, so, so my thing is, I feel like we make a run for it. But we're going to have to give up some people. I feel like, like we need starting pitching. Yeah, you know that that's part of this that uh, sort of goes unacknowledged that they've they've kind of gone on a little bit of a tear, kind of in spite of their starting pitching, right? Like Ashcraft before he got hurt wasn't getting anybody out. Hunter Green has been better, but you know he missed a start. Uh, I'd, I'd stop short of saying he's completely reliable. Ben Lively has had his moments. Brandon Williamson, I guess, too. Those guys to a degree, feel like filler. I mean, imagine what the starting rotation would be without Andrew Abbott. And and so are they going to get Lodolo back in effective? Are they going to get uh, Ashcraft back in effective? If they're really going to make a push, they're probably going to have to add starting pitching, e- even just to withstand 
whatever innings limitations there are or who may get hurt or, you know, just find somebody who's a little bit more reliable. Their starting pitching as a general rule this season is, has not been – has not been very good. Now, now, where did uh, did you, you did you pull over and and read me that lineup, or did you slow down? Uh, how, were, uh, are people backed up behind you? How's this working? No, I'm actually pulled over. I'm in Chevy right now. I'm pulled over. I'm looking at this sliz, sizzling sizzling summer basket combo from Fresh. Is only eight ninety nine with a fry and drink. Oh, so you're uh, you're you're gonna pull in and boy. you're gonna pull in and eat that? No, I'm I'm pulled over in this little uh up mm. up in the way uh lot but hey real quick mm. i pulled up the prospect rankings for the 2023 for the reds yeah and the seven of the top 10 dela cruz shortstop third base uh-huh. just Marte, shortstop third base yeah edwin arroyo whatever shortstop yeah. <laughs> cam collier third base mm-hmm. matt mcclain shortstop second base Sass. First base, third base, Sal Stewart, third base. Like, they got to get rid of some of these guys. What better way to do it than trade for some starting uh, pitchers? Yeah, we keep talking about this, Daniel. Like, uh, at some point, you you trade from a surplus, right? You you move on from if you have too much of of a certain thing. And so that's – if they make a deal, especially if they make a big deal, that's that's going to be that's going to be what they end up doing. Well, hey, I'll let you get back on the road and uh, enjoy your frishes. Go ahead. Hey, real quick, uh-huh. the big deal. This 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 is kind of reminding me of mm. who's that pitcher that we traded for uh, that uh, we brought brought from the Padres. Uh, Matt Latos. Yeah. Hey, something like that. Yeah. And then, hey, honest, honestly, hey, I trade for uh, man. He pitched for the Royals. Uh, uh, Chapman. The Royals, Chapman. Well, but here's the thing. I, here's the thing about this, Dan. So, Aroldis Chapman's available. Now, uh, understandably so. The Royals are one of just a handful of teams that could definitively say we are not in contention. There are like 20 teams right now that would love Aroldis Chapman. So, if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to play the Aroldis Chapman game, if you're going to if you're going to uh, jump into the Aroldis Chapman sweepstakes, you're going to have to give up a lot. And you and I might be okay with that, but uh, there's no guarantee you get him for next year. You might be trading for two months of a role as Chapman, and you're probably going to have to give up a lot. Are you willing to give up a lot? I think that's that's going to be a a fair question to ask as we get uh, closer and closer to the deadline. Dan, it's uh, it's been good to talk to you, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate the uh, the phone call. Fourteen bonus content. Four bonus. That's what we did with the bonus content. We started two minutes early, and uh, that's what we did with the bonus content. Uh, do we play the uh, Jeff Passan audio now from uh, Pat McAfee? Do you want to do that now or break? We can do it. It's not that long. Okay. Jeff Passan was on the uh, Pat McAfee show, which is uh, is moving to ESPN, I guess. Pat McAfee. That's going to be cool. Uh, Jeff Passan's uh, like one of the biggest and most prominent uh, baseball writers, commentators that you'll find. And among the many things they talked about were our Cincinnati Reds. The National League Central is interesting because mm. the Reds are young. They were in Kansas City this week, so I got to see them 
they have good energy, man. You know that thing that's really difficult to quantify sometimes or yes. to explain about a team where Tomorrow. you just know you feel something about a team when you're there. Like, this oh. is a good team. You're talking about, like, camaraderie. Like, if a team likes each other, they're going to be better. I assume that helps in baseball as well. Or are you just talking about the energy, yeah. them knowing that they're going to be great? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think it's – you know, baseball's different than – basketball or football because guys come up through the system together right like you're down in the minor leagues grinding for years and you're trying to make the big leagues in football you get drafted onto a team you know you have a bunch of young guys who are together who start there and then can grow into something but in baseball you have guys who have been together for two three four five sometimes years down in the minor leagues just trying to get to the big leagues and when you have a team like Cincinnati that has all of these good young prospects, it reminds me a lot, Pat, of the Baltimore Orioles, who were horrendous, losing 105-plus games a year for like half a decade. And now they're one of the best teams in baseball because they rebuilt the right way. Yeah. And the Cincinnati Reds have been going about it the same way. Last year, they were unwatchable at the beginning of the season and now they look like the team to, oh. to beat in the uh -oh. in the national league oh. maybe already this year how about that uh, pat mcafee might need a change of pants after he heard jeff pass and say that that's from the uh pat mcafee show is that is that still on FanDuel? it is okay so pat mcafee uh jeff passing um are the reds the team to beat in the central i don't think there is a team to beat in the national league central we're we're talking, you know. I mean, we're we're talking about five teams, uh, and the the composition of the Reds has changed since the beginning of the season, obviously. But does anybody look like the team to beat? No, it's wide open now. From the way the Reds have been constructed, excuse me, with with the guys they've added from their own system, you might argue they're from a roster perspective a little bit better positioned. Again, they've. They need better starting pitching. But I kind of don't think it really matters who is labeled the team to beat. The mere fact that on June the 14th, you could at least ask the question without being laughed out of the room, are the Reds the team to beat, is, is enough evidence that, that what they're doing is working. That this, to this point, has been a successful season and that this franchise is moving in the right direction. You could have that conversation. And I'll be honest with you, I just it's not really something because it's a it's a subjective answer. By the way, Milwaukee lost. So the Reds gain a half game on them. Um you could ask the question. And by the way, you could ask are the Brewers the team to beat despite their recent issues? You you could ask, oh the, the Pirates with the start they've had and the way they've sort of gotten things resettled after being miserable for the better part of a month, are they the team to beat? Um, are the Cardinals, because they're the Cardinals, the team to beat? The Cardinals have now lost five straight games and are nine games out of first place. This doesn't feel like a division that's going to have a wild card team. So, like, yeah, you might argue the Reds have the best chance. They're two and a half out of first place. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, you know, you could also look at their starting pitching and you could look at the run differential and you could say, look, the thing about youth is you can't count on it, and at some point that lack of reliability is going to catch up to them. That's all well and good. Whoever you think the team to beat is, I, I'm not going to push back too much on you, but the fact that you could ask the question 
is I think the biggest sign there is that things are ahead of schedule. You know, when when the Reds started the rebuild, whether you want to say it was before the lockout, November of 21 or last year, I think many, myself included, had visions in our heads of what we saw 15 through 18. And even if it worked out, how long it took the Cubs and Astros to finish their rebuild slash tank jobs. It took a long time, made their fans endure 100 lost season after 100 lost season. That doesn't appear to be the case here. This, however you want to label this, what the Reds are doing, even if it doesn't result in a a division title this year, it, it feels like it's happening at an accelerated pace. And that's pretty awesome. 19 after 4. Uh, 513-749-1530. Meanwhile, uh, something really kind of good has happened that mm, some may not have noticed. Maybe even you will get to that next. We have uh, Brennan and Jones on baseball coming up in just about 30 minutes. My name is Mo Egger. You're listening to ESPN 1530. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. By the way, very, very quietly. The Reds have developed. I read the game recap from ESPN.com. And it referred to the uh, Reds' bullpen as, quote, stingy. Stingy. Stingy is good. If uh, Stingy is not good if it's like you and your buddies and uh, somebody, it's, it's their turn to buy a round. But it's, but it's good if, if you your, your baseball team's bullpen needs an adjective to describe it. You want stingy. You don't want leaky. You want stingy. Stingy is good. Uh, Lucas Sims last night in the uh, seventh and eighth inning was terrific, specifically the uh, seventh and... It really did sort of kind of crystallize what what I think has kind of been the, I don't know, underreported, less talked about, hidden, I don't know the right word, backstory to the entire season. The Reds have built a pretty decent bullpen. Now, there aren't a lot of big names there. Alexis Diaz has been one of the best closers in all of baseball. Uh, I, I I really haven't, to be completely honest with you, aside from believing that Ellie De La Cruz should be an all-star, I haven't really sat down to to vet everybody's candidacy relative to players at their position, but uh, Alexis Diaz should be an all-star. At least as of today, should be, should be an all-star. And uh, Lucas Sims has been mostly good. This bullpen this season... Look, there's a lot of different numbers you could look at. I, I sort of, given how bad they've been recently, I just, I, I've wanted to know where they are in certain metrics relative to league average. Like every fan of every team in baseball thinks their bullpen could use some help. So, you know, there's, I don't think anybody's ever satisfied with their bullpen, especially in the day and age that we're in, in which, uh, relief pitching is such a a huge part of the game with starting pitchers not going as long. Um, the Reds are better than league average in inherited runners scoring percentage. Basically, the the percentage of runners uh, a reliever inherits, like Lucas Sims last night, he inherited three runners. Chances are you don't need me to explain this to you, but he inherited three runners. He stranded all three runners 28% of the time inherited runners score on Reds relievers. The league average is about 34%. 28% is not great. It's not elite. 
but um, it's been really good recently, and it's still better than league average. Uh, the Reds are better than league average and batting average against. Again, I, I get it. There's lots of different ways to measure how effective a hitter is and how effective a pitcher is, but you know that's sort of one basic one you kind of look like look at here, right? Like how often are opposing teams teeing off in the Reds bullpen uh, to a 232 clip? Uh, the OPS against Reds relief pitching is at 681. I think that's seventh best. It's clearly better than league average. The the Reds bullpen is allowing the lowest OPS plus of any bullpen in baseball. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Is is this the pen they had in 2020 when it was Rysel Iglesias and Michael Lorenzen and Amir Garrett and eventually Archie Bradley and some T.J. Antone. No, it's it's not that. Is it going to remind anybody of 1990 anytime soon? No, and maybe at some point we could actually talk about a modern Reds bullpen without referencing the Nasty Boys. Is it the 2012 bunch, which was a very good bullpen? No, but it's become a pretty reliable group. And we've talked a lot about with David Bell, like give him give him the the, the horses he needs to be able to make decisions that we could fairly judge him on. And where a manager, I think, has the biggest impact on a game is with his bullpen usage, who he puts in, especially now with a three-batter minimum. So if you make the bad call, you put in a guy who just doesn't have it that day, well, you got to live with it for a couple of hitters. Uh, I think that's where a manager's fingerprints, from from the, the standpoint of the stuff that you could quantify, the fingerprints are all over the bullpen usage and not so much a lot of the other stuff that we talk about. So, all right, you want to judge David Bell. The easiest way to judge him is how does the decision-making in the bullpen affect winning and losing? Well, if you're going to do that, then you got to give him a chance to actually have some guys who are pretty reliable. And in recent years, we've joked about how when he goes to the mound to make a pitching change, he should almost turn to the owner's suite and like hold out his arms like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> well, now... He's he's got some decent options, and he's got some decent options despite the fact that it's not like they throw a whole bunch of money at the bullpen. They don't have T.J. Antone. Uh, they've had to sort of at times piecemeal the front end of the pen, and yet they're winning at a pretty reasonably good cl- uh, clip right now in, sp- in spite of the starting pitching not being great. Now, yeah, it's cool that you can come back a bunch of times because you could score a 1,000 runs, but... The bullpen has to hold you. Last night, the bullpen collectively, Jabot really struggled, but collectively was was terrific. Now, that doesn't mean they couldn't use help both at the deadline this year and this coming offseason, which is something we've kind of beat to death on this show, but I think very quietly. And maybe it's because the failures stand out more. Very quietly, this bullpen is its not great. It's maybe not the deepest. It's better than most, and I think it's better than most might actually think. I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised when I saw how favorably they stack up against the rest of the league. It's not great by any stretch, but pretty damn good. 
And there have been a number of times this year, even before Ellie got here and McLean got here and Andrew Abbott, even before we started to talk about them having a chance to win the division, number of times this year where they've won on the strength of the relief work they've gotten. And that's been a development that I'm I'm not sure most of us expected. Uh, 4.30, halfway through, 513-749-1530. Um, Graham Ashcraft took one off his calf. He's on the injured list. Jake Fraley is on the injured list with a wrist issue. And uh, Joey Votto inches closer to a return. He's going to be 40 in a couple of months. We're going to talk about all three with uh, Dr. Angel Velasquez from OrthoCincy next. No one covers the Bengals like ESPN 1530, Cincinnati's sports station. Sports updates, a service of Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and guarantee credit approval from their family to yours. For life, KelseyChev.com. Reds and Royals again tonight. Series finale this evening. Ben Lively and lefty Daniel Lynch. Tonight's pitchers, 8-10 tonight. Starting lineup this evening, Newman at third, McLean at second, India DHing. Uh, De La Cruz is at shortstop, Steers at first, Stevenson is catching, Fairchild's in left, Hopkins in right, and uh, Jose Barrero is in center field, batting in the nine spot. Uh, the game live tonight on 700 WLW, also tonight the uh, Florence Yalls at Sussex County. By the way, we uh, we, we we noticed that uh, the, the Yalls are playing a road series at Sussex County, and uh, tomorrow is Manly Man Night. And we were wondering, what does Manly Man Night entail? Um, well, apparently they're going to have, uh, they're, they're, they say they're in search of the manliest man in Sussex County. Yes. Now, what if you don't live in Sussex County? Are you not eligible? Yeah, like what if you just came to support the Y'alls? Well, yeah, what about? if you're like, you know what, I'm going to see the Y'alls play on the road, take a road trip to Sussex County. Are you no longer, are you not eligible? Like what if you're from Boone County where the Florence Y'alls are? Uh, they're going to have uh, beer chugging, a keg press, and more. Contestants will compete in beer chug, keg press, got, and more. I have the whole thing because they have a little promo. Oh, what do you got week. for me? Read it. So basically, cont- contestants will compete in push-ups. Okay. Beer chug. Yeah. Tug of, tug of war. Okay. Arm wrestling. All right. Keg press. Yeah. And best beard. Really? Hmm. Like those best beards that like everybody who works at a, a craft brewer has? I believe so. Yeah. And then prizes are a championship belt, <laughs> miners tickets, oh, big screen TV, okay, gift cards and more. What would you rather have from all those things? The championship belt? Uh, I have to see what it looks like first, but yeah. give me the big screen TV. They're also going to have a bourbon tasting and $1 draft beer. So if you are in the Sussex, what is it, Augusta, New Jersey? Yes. If you're in the Augusta, New Jersey area and you want to go see the uh, Florence Yaws play, you can go see him tonight, but tomorrow it's Manly Man Night. That dude can, like, just folks just sign up to participate? I might try to book a flight. Right, go out there and be in the tug of war. All right, there you go. Uh, Bengals day two of uh, minicamp in the books. I don't think anything important happened. Uh, we do this every Wednesday. We uh, chat with one of the experts from OrthoCincy, Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, uh, these guys are terrific. Great thing about OrthoCincy is they have specialists and locations across the tri-state, and uh, they also offer walk-in orthopedic urgent care weekdays from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. in Edgewood and Eastgate. Learn more at orthocincy.com. That's ortho, C-I-N-C-Y. 
Com. We talk injuries. Uh, Dr. Angel Velasquez is uh, with us, as he is often. Let me start with Graham Ashcraft. So his last start uh, against St. Louis, he took a comebacker off his calf. Uh, he limped around. They examined him. He stayed in the game for a few hitters. They ultimately took him out of the game, and he has since been put on the uh, injured list with what they are calling is a calf bruise. Now, a lot of people are going to see bruise and think, okay, that's no big deal. Why would something like this be bad enough for him to be placed on the I.L.? Well, you know, thank you for having me again, uh, Mo. Um, I'm always uh, happy to be here. Uh, you know, first, uh, it depending where the injury happened and where the hit or the ball hit him. You know, if you are hitting on the inside of your of your leg, there's your calf muscle, right? So you got a contusion, you got a bruise. You know, that ball's coming quick, so you're gonna have a hematoma, and your muscle can be sore. You can have a little bit of blood irritating the muscle. You may need a little bit of time. So you wait a couple of days, see what happened, and then if it's not recovering quick, you know, you definitely, you know, use those those two weeks or whatever time it is. If the hit or the contusion is on the outside of the leg or the lateral aspect, there's a little small bone there that is called the fibular bone. And the fibula is really close to the skin. And when you get hit there, man, you feel it. And you definitely gonna have bone bruise. And that bone bruise can be lingering and can take a little bit longer time so you know the first thing that you do is you give a couple of days to see if he can recover and if he's unable to push off the man or having a lot of pain while landing and he cannot be efficient and he's changing his arm slot and his mechanic then obviously you need to take some time off so definitely the area where he get hit change the approach or how long it's going to take it I'm always fascinated when you see something like what we saw with Graham, where he suffers an injury that ultimately puts him on the injured list, but in the short term, he's still out there. He was still trying to gut through and get hitters out. I I watched a pitcher once, and for the life of me, I cannot remember who this is, but he once was trying to field a bunt. He broke his thumb. He, He was done for the rest of the year, but he actually pitched two more innings after he broke his thumb. So sometimes you'll see an athlete that just pushes through, and then you find out actually the injury was was pretty severe. Does this just happen because of adrenaline? Absolutely. You know, you 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 are a professional athlete. Those guys, it's being like a marathon runner. You go through pain. To be able to go there, you you learn how to tolerate pain. You learn how to you know go through it, and definitely you know when they got hit, they say you know what? There's difference between being injured and being hurt, right? So the moment he felt, okay, I feel hurt, but the question is, I'm injured. Well, my mind tells me I'm not, and I'm, I'm just starting this game, I'm gonna finish. So then you go there, you start throwing, and then suddenly, you know, that start locking on you, you start having some cramping on it, then, you know, you start feeling more pain, and you're like, okay, I need to be a little bit more smart in this. And, you know, that's probably the reason why he was able to pitch those four batters, and then he say, I, I need to call it. Let me ask you about Jake Fraley. So uh, last week in the comeback went over the Dodgers, the first comeback went over the Dodgers. He was hit by a pitch in his wrist. The next day he was scratched from the lineup. He has been uh, sidelined with what they're calling a wrist contusion. I guess it's kind of the same question as before. Uh, besides limiting the use, what are the treatment recommendations when you've got somebody dealing with a wrist contusion? You know, obviously, you get a hit by pitch. The ball is coming quick. It's coming coming hard at you. You get a, you know, there's some areas in the bone that you don't have any protection, right? And the question is what exactly happened. Do you have a bone bruise? Do you have a fracture from a dent from getting hit? 
uh, do you have a more significant fracture? You know, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, Suarez got a thumb fracture and he was able to come back. You know, I remember, I think it was like 10 days later. So, you know, even with a fracture, depending what it is, you're able to come back. But, you know, this type of contusion, this type of pain is depending. Can he grip that bad and he can swing efficiently, you know, to be able to produce at that level? If the answer is he can't, well, that's when you go on the, you know, injury list and then and then you give it a little bit more time. So the first thing is how he feels the day after, couple days after, getting some treatment, you know, icing, compression, you know, all the things that they have to do to get the inflammation down. And then after that, you evaluate, can he grip that bat? Can he swing? Can he throw the ball? And they made those decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's really a range of motion thing, right? Because you th- you think of it's it helps when the wrist isn't sore, but you know, can he can he snap the wrist throwing? Can he snap the wrist batting? I mean, you, you think of of all the I don't know sort of stress that you put on that one particular part of your body. I just I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious as to whether or not a, a professional athlete can get full range of motion after ten days. Well, you know, it is it that's where the Texting is going to be important. You know, you're talking about an MRI that you look for bone bruises. Uh, MRIs sometimes can miss a little fracture, so you can do a CT scan too. And if you don't have a lot of bone bruise and it's more soft tissue, means surrounding the skin, surrounding the muscle, you can regain that, that range of motion pretty quick. But if it's in the bone and that bone hurts, you know, you, every time you move your wrist, there's ligament attaching to those carpal bones in the wrist then it's going to be harder for you to get that motion. And then it's going to take you probably a little bit more time. But obviously, you use the, you, you use the minimum that you can do because you can put on, on, on longer, you know, injury leaks time. Uh, so you're trying to use the minimum so you don't, you know, you don't put on a term. For example, you don't put on a 60-day and then you need three weeks and then you're done. You know what I mean? You put on a lower one and then you slowly, you can take a little bit longer time, but not up to 60. Dr. Angel Velasquez with OrthoCincy is with us. Joey Votto is inching closer to a return. He is in the middle of the second rehab stint he has gone through this year, obviously trying to come back from uh, rotator cuff and bicep surgery. I want to talk about older athletes. Joey is going to be 40 years old in September, and we hear this all the time. Well, athletes get older, they're either more injury prone or they have a more difficult time coming back from injury. Um, talk about this with, from a, a clinical perspective. Can, can you take a deeper dive into this and tell us why this is? Well, it, 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 is, it is simple. It's about the mesenchymal stem cell production, number one. Um, when you, when you are born, you're a newborn, you have, you know, you, you, you have these stem cells in your body that is one on every 10,000 cells, right? When you go into your teenagers, you're, you have one in 100,000. When you go into your 30s, you are one in 250,000. And then when you keep going to 50, one in 400,000. And when you're 80, one in 2 million. So what he's telling me, the concentration of those stem cells goes down significantly, you know, right after you were a newborn and it keeps going down the older that you get. So those stem cells are the cells that repair your body. Uh, and those are the cells that help you with injury. That's, that's one of the main reasons. The other thing is muscle, tendons, they get stiffer. They're harder for them to regain that range of motion. And it's harder for them to come back and get stronger and get more flexible again you know so there's multiple things what can 
Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. Be happening that it's, you know, not allowing, you know, an athlete. I'm not going to say that I enjoy, but an athlete to come back after an injury or after a surgery. So, you know, there's multiple reasons why. And, you know, you, you guys know by E3, you know, looking at, at how Joe is being, he's going to – he want to be able to compete. You know, the type of player that he is, he want to be sure he's right to be there and compete. So, so if he, you know, doesn't feel right, he will take the time for sure. Um, but definitely that's the reason. One of the reasons is it's the cells of your body that help you to heal. Just take a longer – you know, you have less of them, so it'll take you longer to heal completely. Awesome insight, as always. We'll do it again soon. I appreciate you uh, interrupting your meal to chat with me. Always good to have you. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember which pitcher in 1919 got stroke by a lining, and after being revived, he was able to finish the game? He was struck by lightning. It yes. was um, Ray Caldwell. Yes. Ray Caldwell. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Chicago, Chicago White Sox. Cleveland. Chicago White Sox or Cleveland Indians? It wouldn't have been the White Sox because 1919, that team's pretty famous. So it had to be Cleveland. Cleveland Indians. He got thrown by a lightning in the ninth inning. And he was able to finish the game. And the more important, after that, not the more important, but after that, he pitched a no-hitter against New York 17 days later. <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I knew that I think when he got struck by lightning he had it was in the ninth inning so he had pitched almost the entire game and he finished it up I, I yeah. did not know he threw a no hitter in his next start well pretty good yeah you know 17 well 17 days later I don't know maybe he started two days later you know remember they they used to pitch every two second every other day I guess you know, wow. time has changed for that. No, no question about that. All right, good stuff. I like it. Now when you join me, you've got to, you got to give me a nugget like that. You can test my my knowledge of useless I, information. Well, I'll tell you something. That I, 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 I just get that idea when I was actually uh, eating my, my sandwich. I don't want to <laughs> say from where because I don't want to give any free advertising to people. Ah, uh, uh, my man. <laughs> uh, Take care, man. All right, I'll see you. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was all right there you go uh, dr angel velasquez from uh ortho since you go to ortho say this all the time great thing about the people at ortho is they've got specialists and locations across the tri-state which includes walk-in orthopedic urgent care during the week from 9 a.m to 9 p.m and on saturdays from uh, 9 a.m to 1 p.m in both edgewood and eastgate goes without saying it's uh, easier and cheaper than going to an ER when you have an urgent orthopedic injury. And by the way, you never need an appointment. Go to orthocincy.com. That's orthocincy.com. Brenneman and Jones on baseball coming up on ESPN 1530. You ready for some football? We are. This is Dave Lapper, and you're listening to the home of the Bengals, ESPN 1530. 
Wow. Wow. Taryn Bland. It's uh, three minutes after five o'clock. This is ESPN 1530. Good afternoon. My name is Mo Egan. For the second time today, we are offering bonus content. We are starting the hour two minutes early. You know, think about this for a second. What you are listening to right now, this is free, okay? We're In a day and age where everything's behind a paywall or you got to subscribe to something and you forget your passwords or you, you sign up for the free trial and then you forget you subscribed and then uh, you end up getting charged like 79 bucks. This is absolutely free. What you are listening to right now uh, is doesn't cost you a dime, whether you're listening on the iHeartRadio app or if uh, if you're listening uh, on the you know the traditional uh, 15:30 a.m. Regardless of how you're consuming this right now, you're not being asked to pay. We don't have pledge drives. We're not going to interrupt the show with me, you know, begging you for money. The, the the company might do that one day, but we're not. This is free. Think about that. The product is already free, and then. We decide, my my guy Taryn decides to give you two extra minutes. It's already free, and then you get two extra minutes of amazing sports talk radio content. Wow! You're welcome. This, Taryn, you are in a very giving mood. I appreciate it. You're making me work a little bit extra. I killed the two minutes by doing what I just did, but uh, I'm sure the audience is just thrilled. So here we are. I was in the middle, Taryn, of, of typing out here on Twitter... What is coming up this hour? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mo Egger on the Delta Dental Twitter feed. Uh, and so I'm typing here why the Reds are starting to look the part, why Joey Votto won't be a problem, and why John Sadak's bar. You know, it just occurred to me, I don't think I know how to spell barbecue. Well, I think I spelled it right. Barbecue sauce call needs to be. The beginning of something. See, this is really, really entertaining. Now, aren't 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 you glad you're not paying for this? Listen live. Whoop, colon ESPN fifteen thirty dot com slash listen. B A R B E Q E is the correct. I'm not going to do the lame BBQ. Uh, you know, some people say barbecue doesn't have a Q in it. Taryn, do you prefer barbecue with a C or a Q? you okay barbecue sauce call needs to be the beginning of something there you go i've uh, just tweeted it out and now the uh the final hour of the show can begin uh the reds are starting to look the part last night in kansas city the royals are awful okay the first thing good teams have to do is they got to beat bad teams now on occasion you're gonna see in baseball in particular where uh, you know, a, a bad team just they, they play really well for three games or they, they run their best pitchers out there or maybe a good team's key guy is hurt and uh, the bad team beats the good team. But you want to you want to like make the case, make the, the, the case that you're bona fide contenders want to make the case that you're the team to beat in the National League Central. A lot of folks are, are going to make a big deal about playing the Astros this week. Go to Kansas City and take two out of three. They have at least done that. They'll try for a sweep tonight, looking for a fifth consecutive victory. But they're starting to look the part, I think, in two ways that are that are critical. One is they are figuring out ways to win in spite of stuff. We've 
talked about this since this show started. Bad teams lose because of. And afterward, you're forced to sort of recite all the excuses, all the things that didn't go their way, all the stuff they didn't happen. Could be the ref screwed them or they had a key guy get hurt or whatever it was. It was the weather. Bad teams lose because of. Winning teams win in spite of. Last night, the Reds offense dormant. Now, not in the second inning. Uh, they strung together a bunch of hits and looked like they were going to run Jordan Lyles out of the building. Looked like they were on on uh, on pace for a, a big, big offensive night. Uh, and then after the second inning, they built a 5-1 lead. Offensively, they were dormant. And, and I mean, not, not only were they not scoring, they weren't even threatening to score. They had two base runners after the second inning. They didn't have a hit. Jordan Lyles settled down. Two other uh, Kansas City relievers came in and did a nice job. And as as the game was unfolding, uh, Brandon Williamson settled down a little bit later on but gave up uh, some runs, and it went from 5-1 to 5-4, and Lyles was in a groove, and the Reds' offense went dormant. And if if you're like me, and, and I'm guessing if you're like most sort of like hardened, jaded Reds fans, you're thinking uh, in the middle innings like, hey, they're going to need more runs. Five ain't gonna do it. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to add some some tack on runs, some insurance runs. They're gonna have to play George Grandism. They're they're gonna have to play add on baseball, and they didn't. And as the game unfolded, pretty good chance I think that you're saying to yourself, or maybe to whoever you were with, this is going to catch up to them. And oh, good God, in the seventh inning, when Kansas City loaded the bases with one out against Ian Jabot. It felt like, you know, folks are going to dump all over Ian Jabot and whoever else comes in after him. But the real culprit was they had a 5-1 lead and then stopped hitting entirely. And this is going to catch up to him. And instead, Lucas Sims comes in and looks just filthy. I'm not talking about his personal appearance. Back-to-back strikeouts. Not only does he not give up the lead in a situation where, again, if you're like me, you're thinking... Let's just get to the eighth inning tied. Give up a run, give up a sacrifice fly, get the third out. Let's get out of here. New ball game tied at five, top eight. He preserves the lead. He pitches the eighth. Diaz comes on in the ninth, and the Reds win the ball game. Good teams figure out a way to win when things aren't going great. The other night, dig a three nothing hole against Zach Greinke, who you talk about looking unhittable, was terrific in his first five innings. Um, you blow the lead in the ninth inning where uh, Perez hits the two-out solo homer to send it to extra innings when you know your next guy is going to be this Ricky Karcher dude. And yet, they figured it out. Would have liked to have seen him score more runs in the 10th. I'm never going to be a big fan of bunting, but fine, whatever. On that night, slow offensive start, dig yourself a hole, going up against a future Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, when you're on the road in the 10th inning, you've really got to score twice. They only score once. They figure it out. They find a way. And it's really cliche, but I'm a big believer in that. Last year's team loses because of. Because of bad bullpen. Because of, on a given night, certain relievers not being available. Because they score the five runs early and then can't tack on. This team's winning in spite of. The other thing you are starting to see, I know we've talked a lot about the chemistry of this team and, you know, listening to, to Jeff Passon's cut that we played before, 
it's why sometimes you got to watch the games. It's analytically, you could look at the the numbers and you could draw a lot of really good conclusions about this team. But I'm always interested in the the intersection of analytics and advanced data and the stuff that's maybe a little bit more difficult to to quantify. We're seeing that to a degree with Ellie De La Cruz. Now you could quantify how many pitches he's taking, but you know all the insane measurables. Uh, bat speed, exit velocity, throwing arm, first to third sprint speed, but batting eye, patience at the plate, and I think to a degree maybe at times being a little bit too patient. That rally in the second started with an Ellie De La Cruz walk. But what you're starting to see uh, for a team that is, I think, becoming known for how fun they are and how good their chemistry is, new heroes are emerging every single day. There's something, the Bengals the last two years, you know, Joe Burrow is the A-lister. We get it. Jamar Chase is awesome. T. Higgins is awesome. DJ Reader's awesome. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie is awesome. But over the course of the last two seasons, how many times has an unlikely hero stepped up? And maybe in a big moment, maybe in a moment that's not quite as big, but certainly impactful. Think of B.J. Hill and Trent Nerwin and Samaj P. Ryan and Jackson Carmen uh, late last season. Guys that you don't talk about as much or you're not expecting all that much from, and, and just you, you can't win a lot of games in a short amount of time without role players playing significant roles. And you saw that again last night. Here's Lu- Lu- Lucas Sims is not a role player. He's a setup guy. He's going to pitch in a, a lot of high-leverage situations. But, all right, Jabot can't get the job done. He comes in seventh inning, throws absolute seeds. Reds get out of the inning. Kevin Newman with a big hit last night. Kevin Newman with a big sack fly two nights ago. Kevin Newman's a fun whipping boy. Kevin Newman's been a nice pickup. We could argue he shouldn't have been playing as much as he was before Matt McClain got here and before uh, Ellie De La Cruz got here, but been a nice little pickup. They are getting contributions, even the intangible from Kirk Casale the other night. In the Ricky Karcher game, which we had so much fun with, Kirk Casale providing some degree of calm, and leadership and influence, like, I'm not really sure you can measure that. And it's just a, a tiny, tiny example of, of what I think good teams have. Good teams have these moments where somebody that you're not really expecting comes up big. and Or somebody who flies underneath the radar. And, you know, let's be honest, right now, when it comes to the Reds, what's driving the conversation? Ellie, McLean, Andrew Abbott, Alexis Diaz, uh, some Spencer Steer, little Jonathan India, TJ Friedel. TJ Friedel might be the most underrated offensive player on the team. You're getting new heroes emerge. D- does does all this mean the Reds are going to play in the playoffs this year? Oh, no. i tell you this. By the way, Milwaukee loses today on the road against uh, Minnesota. They've now lost six straight games. It doesn't feel like anybody wants to win the National League Central. Here's the other thing good teams do. You leave an opening. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. And they make you pay. Right now, the National League Central is leaving an opening. Uh, the Brewers are now a 500 team. 
The St. Louis Cardinals right now, remember a couple of weeks ago, SI said they were the team to beat in the National League? Well, they are. They are the team to beat if you want to have the worst record in the National League because right now the Cardinals own that distinction. The Cubs are the most forgettable, nondescript team in the sport. Pirates are an awful lot of fun. Uh, But they're still, this is no knock on them, they're still the Pirates. They're not unlike the Reds where there's a lot of younger dudes, a lot of guys who haven't experienced collective success. And then there's the Reds, this young core, this exciting uh, athletic core with a lot of upside that individually a lot of dudes who uh, haven't firmly established themselves and together maybe don't know what they don't know. The the division is open. The, the teams that were expected to win uh, haven't taken advantage of the relative weakness of the division. They've left the door open. The other thing that really good teams do is you leave an opening, they bust in, they take advantage. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say the Reds are the team to beat, but they've got a shot here. And and yeah, part of their shot is based on the fact that this division is so bad that nobody does want to win it. Every team in the National League Central has uh, a, a negative run differential. But still, they've got a shot. And as they have a shot, they're starting to exhibit some of the qualities of teams that win. Oh, and on top of that, they've got some high-end young talent and still some players who are likely to get here very, very soon. Plus, the return of a future Hall of Famer and Joey Votto, which is going to happen here soon, and Senzel's going to come back, and Will Myers, and some of those names might not excite you. In fact, I'm not sure any of them really excite me in terms of their short-term impact, but there's going to be some decisions to be made about who plays, who's on the team, who plays when, who plays where. Uh, fun decisions. But this this team... They're starting to exhibit the characteristics that you look for when you make the determination about who the team to beat is, and they're starting to exhibit the characteristics of a team that contends for something more than just third place. And right now, the Reds are doing that. And I could see you nodding along right now. Holy hell, is it so much fun to watch. Uh, five one three seven four nine fifteen thirty and uh, eight six six seven zero two three seven seven six at Mo Egger on Twitter Delta Dental Twitter feed the five o'clock happy hour. How good does a neutral sound right now? Reds are playing great. We're in the heart of summer. I th- I think the rain we got last night's kind of behind us for a little while. We got pool weather this weekend. Uh, neutral. I mean, just neutral will fit in any time of year right now. Neutral vodka seltzer, can't beat it. Uh, Variety of flavors. Orange is the latest. You've got to try them all. Get an eight-pack, and uh, you'll get two of each flavor in that eight-pack. And uh, you could find four packs dedicated to one flavor. If maybe you love pineapple, get four pineapple neutrals. Either way, you got to try a neutral. If you haven't yet, you owe it to yourself. Neutral vodka seltzer, the one with the umlaut. Um, can we uh, can we play John Sadak's barbecue sauce call from last night? I think we can. We will. And what I hope it triggers next. 23 after uh, 5 o'clock. This is ESPN 1530. Needed some music. Thank you. 50 Cent. By the way, Taryn, Taryn when, when are you going to go see 50 Cent at Riverbend? Is that in July? July 29th. July 29th? Hmm. Think about going? Maybe. What what day a week is that? That's a Saturday. That's a Saturday? 
you know what? Uh, maybe. Does he have an opening act? Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes is the opening act for 50 Cent? Yes. Now, there are going to be folks who argue that should be the other way around. I don't know that I would make that argument, Taryn. Tell Buster Rhymes about the money for the tour. Uh, okay, so it's uh, Buster Rhymes and uh, and 50 Cent. Uh, are they co-headlining or Busta's the opening act? Busta is the co-headliner. The co- so it's, it's uh, all right. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe, Taryn. You never know. You never know. Can you give me some uh, John Sadak from uh, Bally Sports, Ohio, uh, with the, the call of Lucas Sims with the bases loaded, striking out Salvador Perez to close out the seventh inning last night? Barbecue sauce! I mean, <laughs> that that literally was the call. Like, it, not strike three, barbecue sauce. Like, just ter- it was like, uh, here's the pitch. All right, you get the Pay off. Barbecue sauce. He struck him out. <laughs> Can I hear it again? Pay off. Barbecue sauce. He struck him out. <laughs> I uh I don't know when we're gonna have John Sadak on the show next, but when we do, I want to ask him was was that like was that did he did he plan that was that how did I know that there was a tie in to the the Sam Hubbard jersey guy I guess uh give it to me one more time payoff barbecue sauce he struck him out you know what I love about John Sadak uh, John Sadak has been the uh, the primary he's been the TV voice of the Reds since uh, the beginning of the 2021 season. And uh, you know what I love most about him? He genuinely sounds like he is beyond thrilled to have his job. Payoff. Barbecue sauce. He struck him out. Like, Gus Johnson, you know, Gus, does he go overboard sometimes? Yeah. But, like, you always get the impression, like, there's nothing else that guy would rather be doing than be sitting at the game that he's at calling the action. I love people who are, especially in like public-facing jobs, who sound like they want to be there because they, we, we've all heard broadcasters, we all know people, they've got what seems like a cool gig and then they, they, you know, they walk around like they're, they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. I, I can't tell you, this is why I, I, don't, I, I never want to be like a normal media guy. This is a, a very brief aside. Uh, I I got a press pass to a Super Bowl when it the the year it was in Indianapolis. Um, I, I don't know how or why, but I'm like, yeah, cool, I can go to the Super Bowl. It'd be kind of cool. And we did our show there from uh, from Indy the Friday before. So I I get like a I'm, we're like there Friday. It's I'd never done radio row before, and I'm like walking around the media center. It was my my former producer Lindsay and I, and I said to her like, is it a requirement to walk around here looking like you're you're on 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 your way to a colonoscopy, like everybody. All these media people just have these looks like oh, you're covering a Super. Uh, I'm on someone else's dime here covering a Super Bowl, and then like the game itself. Like I'm I'm like dude, I'm I'm at the Super Bowl, and it's a great game. It was Giants and Patriots, and I'm looking around like man, this is awesome. You know, it's like media people that are like pissed off the entire time. I went to a crosstown shootout once. 
which I, you know, I'm lucky enough to go every year. I go back in the media room. I mean, you would have thought there was like a, a dead body was going to be dragged in. Everybody looked unhappy. Like, I don't like, I guess it's a prerequisite to be, to work in media. You have to look like you, you're just, you're, oh, you're being forced to be there. Poor you. You're at this game you have to cover. That's why I never want to do that. And, and there's a lot of, I've heard broadcasters who it's like, they sound like they're doing the audience a favor by gracing the game with their presence. John Sadak, John Sadak sounds like there's nowhere else he would rather be than at the game. And he's enthusiastic about the Reds. And is he a, maybe a slight homer? I guess so. I'm okay with that. You're the local team's announcer. There should be some of that there. I, I like this guy. And, like, he's tried some stuff, and, you know, I mean, it's a little bit different. Maybe it doesn't work. The home run call from Ellie De La Cruz last week, uh, that ball's got a family, was terrific. It would go from loud. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Silence. Anticipation to see what. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that ball had a family. Yes. Like, I mean, it just sounds like he's happy to be there. He sounds excited. He sounds like, I mean, there are people in our, there's people in our building who it's like, hey, you, you get a chance to, to to do a talk show today or play music. And it's like, yeah, here we go. Another, another, another shift. Like, why don't you go do something else then? And there's broadcasters that way. I've listened to baseball broadcasters. It's like they complain about having to do double headers and they complain about rain delays and they complain the game's moving too slow. With Sadak, guy's at a ballpark. He's at a ball game. He knows he's calling something that for you and I is fun and is a diversion and he brings enthusiasm and I'm a fan. But here's what has to happen next. Give me the barbecue sauce call again, okay? Payoff. Barbecue sauce. He struck him out. So you know how, like, for Marty Brenneman, uh, and this one belongs to the Reds, became like his signature call. Whenever the Reds would win a game for, you know, his entire career was, and this one belongs to the Reds. And then, you know, for years, the iconic Joe Nuxall would sign off the star of the game show, which they don't do anymore, which I wish they did. Uh, and he would say, you know, rounding third and, and heading for home. Sadak's gimmick could be this. So barbecue sauce right? There's kind of a tie into Kansas City. It's it's a town known for barbecue, right? And, uh, you know, I, I was in Kansas City back in January for the AFC Championship game, and the locals all have different opinions on who has the best barbecue and the best barbecue sauce. Uh, so, awesome. Like, I love it. What his thing should be is, you can only probably do it when the Reds are on the road, but whatever town they're in, if there's a big situation and, you know, a strike three and it ends the inning, the the call should be aligned with whatever the the local food is, with whatever that city's, like in Cincinnati where, where and it was, a, it was a, a swinging strike, it wasn't strike three looking, but uh, still, uh, he gets a third out to end the inning. And so, like, in let's say, like, in, in Baltimore, the Reds go to Baltimore, I think, in a couple of weeks. Like it would be uh, crab cakes, right? Or in uh, they've played in Philly this year, but you know a big situation, and uh, Alexis Diaz is on the mound, and uh, they get Reese Hoskins swinging, and the ending is uh, cheesesteaks. Taryn, are you with me on this? I'm trying to think of a city that would be difficult to come up with something. Well, let's see. They go to uh, Chicago. Go, uh, deep dish pizza. St. Louis. Uh, they're, uh, well, uh, raviolis, right? <laughs> what, what is St. Louis? I know there's like St. Louis style ribs. I'm not really sure what St. Louis. <gasps> Bud 
Budweiser. I mean, you could do that, right? Budweiser's a sponsor of the Reds on TV. Uh, they go to Houston this week. It'd be like, Tex-Mex! Is that what we're going with with Houston? You know, not every city, I guess, but like in, in, in most cities, there's sort of something that they're they're kind of known for. I'm here for it. I think this should be a thing. Now, you know, some cities are known for a lot of different things, but like they, you know, Boston, right? Uh, boy, Lucas Sims, here's the payoff pitch. Clam chowder! John Sadak should, he, I think he's on to something here because I, I think to differentiate yourself, to really establish yourself, what you need is like a, a gimmick, like a thing, something that people know you for. And so folks would watch the game thinking like, all right, big situation here, right? Here we go. Uh, like what, what, uh, some of those cities I haven't been, like, I don't know what they, I don't know what they eat in Denver. I don't, I don't know what they're, they're known for, uh, there, uh, Detroit. Uh, what's Detroit known for? No, I'm trying. Hmm, I'm trying to think. What will we say in Detroit? Um. Uh, well, it's it, it's a city with a lot of crime. So I mean, you could expand it, <laughs> like motor, you know, the Motor City. Just robbed them, or you can name like famous musicians, right? The hmm. Detroit's got a long list of famous musicians. Mu- musicians. Yes. But I I like the food angle. We just have to come up with. You know, maybe he doesn't do every single city, but there are certain cities here where it's just like you know what they're known for. Um, I mean, even like if if they're at home, he could do Skyline Chili. I wonder what Jeff Brantley did because Jeff Brantley loves him some barbecue sauce, and uh, his you know has worked a lot of games with different announcers. I wonder if he was expecting a barbecue sauce. I'm trying to think of how many major league towns are identifiable with a certain food, food item. See, it's it's too bad like there's there's no team in New Orleans. Oh man. I mean, you know, beignets. I mean, there's, you know, crawfish. Well, they go to LA for the Dodgers, Dodger Dogs. Uh, but that's, that's Dodger Dogs do- stink. Do- <laughs> uh, I had one of those. Those are terrible. I mean, but that's what they're known for. Uh, but not the whole city. I don't know what the the whole city is known for. Like, Seattle's kind of known for seafood, right? I've only been to Seattle one time. They That market where they throw the fish? All right, so not all these cities will it work. But but many of them, many of them, this this could be a, they have those uh, bad uh, uh, panini sandwiches in Pittsburgh with the, uh, the French fries on a sandwich, which doesn't make any sense. French fries on a sandwich! Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late. Come often. Okay, no. You don't want to do that one? That's a stretch. No. Okay. Hey, look, it's we'll, we'll flesh this out, and, and we'll come up with the ones that work, and then John, once we have perfected the bit for him, he can. Th- this could be his thing. Get word to him in the uh, broadcast booth in Kansas City. He doesn't have to do Like, tonight he can't do it. It's overkill. He can only do it once per city. Like, once per stop. Well, we'll get John Sadak on within, within next week. Yeah, get John Sadak on, and, and we'll, on just, we'll just see if he's uh, if he's on board. I mean, I, I, he seems to me the kind of guy that would be would be open to suggestions. 
But like, I mean, I, I see some folks on Twitter like killing the guy because he's too enthusiastic. Like, I, I want enthusiasm for my ba- for my broadcasters. I want somebody who sounds like you know they've been sentenced to call the game. Like a judge is making them do it. Like, uh, yeah, I got too many points in my driver's license, and so now it's called baseball game. I like John Sadak. I like that call last night, and I want him to steal my idea. Uh, 25 away from uh, 6 o'clock. This is ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Sports update is a, uh, a service of uh, Kelsey Chevrolet, home of lifetime powertrain protection and uh, guaranteed uh, credit approval from their family to yours for life, KelseyChev.com. Taryn, not, not every city is known primarily for food, right? So, you know, you like to go to Atlanta. And what's the place that you like to get the uh, the chicken wings, but you're really not there for the chicken wings? Uh, Magic City. Yeah, so Magic City. So, like, you know, they play the Braves, and Lucas Sims gets a strikeout, and John Sadak can be like, lap dance! I mean, there's – we really could expand this. Well, you can say that about Houston this weekend. Uh, you know, I would know. I, I don't I don't know. Um, the best tacos I've ever had I had in Houston once. I don't remember the name of the place. Uh, Reds and Royals again tonight. Ben Lively against lefty Daniel Lynch. Starting lineup tonight for uh, Cincinnati. Quickly, Newman at third. McLean's at second. Indy is DHing. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. Uh, Spencer Steer is at uh, first base. He is batting fifth. Stevenson behind the plate. Fairchild in left field. TJ Hopkins is in right field. And uh, Jose Barrero is uh, batting ninth in uh, center field. The uh, Florence Yalls tonight. Are at uh, Sussex City. What what did we do? We know it's Sussex. I'm sorry, Sus- Sussex County. Do we know what Sussex County in New Jersey is known for? Pizza, maybe the Miners. The Miners. That's right. The uh, independent minor league team there that Florence will uh, take on tonight. Uh, Reds game tonight, by the way, uh, on 700 WLW. First pitch at 8:10. Day two of Bengals minicamp today at uh, what used to be called Paul Brown Stadium. And uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, uh, nothing of major significance. They might not have even practiced for all I know. There you go. Well, uh, Jamar said his quarterback is the best player in football. Uh, yeah, I saw that. That's good. What, what's Joe Burrow, that made – like we're in June. We're like really digging deep for relevant NFL stuff. Joe Burrow said Patrick Mahomes is the best. And right now he's right. You know, I love Joe Burrow. Um, thrilled with Joe Burrow as the franchise quarterback, but – Patrick Mahomes has accomplished what Joe Burrow hopes to, even though that Joe's been on a team that has beaten Patrick three times. And then you would, in turn, expect Joe's teammates to say, nah, man, Joe's the guy. Like, I don't know. Pat who is what Jamar said. Yeah, I saw that. What? That, don't, that won't be brought up, will it? You know it is. Uh, we're going to uh, make some money on the U.S. Open with our buddy Cam Rogers here in uh, just a few minutes. Hey, quickly tomorrow night, Reds don't play. If you're looking for something to do, uh, Newport on the Levee has their latest Thursday night live on the Levee show. It features Floyd and the Walkman. I will be introducing them on stage promptly at 7 o'clock. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're looking for Father's Day gift ideas, there are a ton of them available at uh, Newport on the Levee. Uh, tons of cool restaurants, the new 16 Lots Brewing, the uh, wooden cask. Uh, there's new apparel stores that Dad would love. Uh, there's the the grilling and spice store, uh, Colonel Day, which is absolutely outstanding and, and maybe the best-smelling store I've ever been to. Uh, there's uh, Velocity Esports. You could buy a gift card there. But uh, you can peruse all this, get there early, get a bite, get something to drink, and then hang out with us. Um, it's going to be a beautiful night. Starts at 7 o'clock. Floyd and the Walkman performing. This is free. It's a free concert. 
And uh, not only not only is it free, I'm there. So what else could you ask for? It's uh, going to be an awesome summer. Newport on the levee. You can look at the uh, entire list of shows happening every single Thursday live on the levee. Go to uh, newportonthelevee.com and also make sure you cross off your Newport on the levee summer bucket list while you're there. You could do a few of those items tomorrow. Uh, if you haven't been to one of the free shows at the levee, it's it's a blast. Tons to drink, tons to do, lots of space, beautiful view in the background behind the stage of the Cincinnati skyline, and uh, I'm looking forward to being there tomorrow night. So we hope to see you there again. Newport on the levee tomorrow starting at uh, at 7 o'clock. And maybe Mo will buy you a beer. Uh, could happen. Maybe. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing it, but but you know what? Well, we, we can have a beer together. How does that sound? We can get Mo a beer. You can, you know what, you could, you could buy me a beer for telling you about Live on the Levee. There you go. Um, U.S. Open is this weekend. Cam Rogers helps us make money on it next. Hey, Alexa, who got hurt? Getting ESPN 1530 from iHeartRadio. U.S. Open is this weekend, Father's Day weekend. Uh, at the Los Angeles Country Club, Cam Rogers, host of the uh, Lock It In podcast on the Believe Network. He is our go-to golf guy, especially when it comes to uh, gambling on golf. Normally, I, I launch into this by asking you, like, what's the big storyline? I, I think we know the big storyline, even though uh, this started to unfold last week. It's still the entire Live Golf PGA Tour merger looming over everything this weekend, right? Yeah, it certainly does, and unfortunately so here, Mo. I want to talk about the U.S. Open and the fine golf that we have before us, but you can't avoid it. This is the story in golf right now, and we've got some things to figure out as far as Congress is concerned. Some senators have come out publicly saying they are going to review this deal. It's very possible this deal won't go through, which could create just a whole other domino effect as far as the future of the PGA Tour is concerned. The Saudis could still be ruling the game of golf. Live could be the most prominent golf league out there. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm saying that because the PGA Tour had a financial problem. And that's why they welcomed the Saudis to the table. So for the good of the game, I hope this deal goes through, Mo, but it does scream a little antitrusty. So we'll see what happens. All right. You're a gambling guy. Put odds on this actually happening. You know, that's a great question, and I'm more <laughs> pessimistic now <laughs> about this going through than I was a week ago. Listen, I'm going to say plus 220 hmm. that the deal goes through, and I'll say plus 110 that the deal does not go through. So either way, um, you're going to have a situation where you're getting plus money, and I'm thinking that the favorite right now is this deal doesn't happen. The more I read into it, Mo. You know, senators are putting comparisons out there to when I think JetBlue and American Airlines wanted to merge together, and they did not allow that to happen. This is a very real scenario, so we'll continue to follow the story. Um, let's talk about the actual tournament this weekend. So what I love about the U.S. Open is it feels like in this major more than any other, we have courses that we just don't know a whole lot about. And that obviously could impact what you're doing from a gambling perspective this weekend. Tell us what we know about the course at the Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, very little, to be honest with you. We've barely seen it over the last century. We saw it at the Walker Cup back in 2017. Scotty Scheffler Colin Morikawa played back then, but the course went through a redesign in between now and today, uh, then and today. So, listen, it's your classic Parkland golf course, 7,400 yards, par 70, similar vibe to the country club at Brookline last year at the U.S. Open. But 
I'm hearing about Augusta National-esque vibes as well, a whole lot of undulations, and actually some wider fairways than what we're used to. We're used to these really thin fairways at U.S. Opens. Not the case here this week. The landing areas aren't too bad. The issue is it's visually demanding. A lot of your tee shots are going to be blind, and so you have to trust your line at the tee. And then, you know, you factor in the fact, Mo, that, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's study day, right? You got to study up and get your research in because everybody's in the same bucket, in essence. Nobody knows about this thing, and they've got three days to understand it come Thursday, of course, when day one of competition starts. So it's going to be quite a think test, if you will. You're really going to think your way around this golf course, but I think any style of golfer can win here this week. You mentioned the name of the betting favorite, Scotty Scheffler, and I could certainly under- understand why with the way he is playing that he is the odds-on favorite to win this weekend, but should I trust his putter in the U.S. Open enough to put some money on him? You can't. I mean, not at this price, Mo. Plus 600. Like, we're getting dangerously close to Tiger Woods era numbers in terms of the betting market. We're talking about a field of 156 players, and so many of them are playing well. Talking about Shoffley and Victor Hovland and Tyrrell Hassan is at 34 to 1. I mean, I just can't go there. It's purely a price play for me right now with Scotty Scheffler. Yes, he's playing great ball striking wise right now, and that can save him as far as scores are concerned, but I don't know if he can at this golf course. I mean, the greens are uber difficult, and if he's bleeding strokes with his putter, he's not going to be able to score. And so I think he's going to fall behind in that respect, but I still think he's in for a decent week. The problem is you're just not going to get paid a lot of money when you bet on him because his prices are so short. Yeah, I I think he's a fun pick, a good pick if you're in a one-and-done. I think from a pure gambling perspective, the the value just isn't there. So give me somebody near the top of the list that stands out. I really love Patrick Cantlay this week, 17-1. to So his number is creeping shorter as we go throughout the week here. But he has not missed a cut in the last five U.S. Opens, one of six players in this field alone who ranks above average in driving distance, driving accuracy, iron game, and around the green game. Number one on tour in total driving, two, top 10 at the PGA Championship. 11 of the last 14 U.S. Open winners were first-time major victors. I think that can be the case here for Patrick Cantlay this week. He's my guy to win. All right, Cam Rogers with us, host of Lock It In on the Believe Network. He is our golf guy talking U.S. Open. Give me a long shot that stands out. Justin Rose, can I interest you in him a little bit? He's 48-1 to as we stand. And listen, he's a guy who won earlier this year at Pebble Beach, having a career resurgence. This is his best approach season since 2015, best putting and wedge season since 2019, 12th on tour in strokes game total, three straight top 12 finishes on tour. Like him a lot. If you want me to go deeper down the board, Adam Scott is really interesting at 75-1. to playing really well on the PGA Tour right now, making cuts, finishing inside the top 10 in three of his last four starts. The driver is fantastic, and he's one of the best iron players, long iron players to be more specific on the PGA Tour, meaning, you know, those distances of 175 yards and out. He's really good, and you're going to see that a lot here this week on a very long golf course. All right, let me throw the long shot that stood out to me at you. In fact, I'm looking at it. The price has actually changed. I got Patrick Reed at plus 8,000. I'm looking at it right now. It's actually at plus 9,000. Talk me out of that. 
Yeah, you know, people hate to bet on Patrick Reed because nobody likes him, so you get a really nice price on him every Mm -hmm. time he plays. Listen, he's a cut maker, Mo. He's made 12 of his last 13 major cuts, so the guy grinds, and he's one of the best short game players in the world, top 20 at the PGA Championship. I think he's a safe bet for a made cut prop for sure. I would lock that in. And, hey, I think it's worth a sprinkle in the outright market. Obviously, he's won a major championship before. He's coming on over from Liv. And he just sort of lurks, lurks and lurks. So I think he's certainly going to play the weekend. And I feel like this golf course requires artistry a little bit. And I think that favors somebody like a Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, and particularly Patrick Reed here. So I'm not going to talk you out of it. I think it's worth a sprinkle. All right. Very good. I feel better. Uh, You could uh, check out more of this on Cam's podcast, Lock It In podcast on the Believe Network entire U.S. Open betting preview in much greater detail. Always awesome to have you with us, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mo. Appreciate you. Cam Rogers. Lock it in on the Believe Network, our U.S. Open preview, a service of Five Iron Golf. Thinking about what to do for Dad for Father's Day, Five Iron Golf, downtown Cincinnati's newest sports bar. Get 15% off gift cards when you use DAD15. Use that code DAD15. Did I need to spell DAD? DAD15. And uh, Dad can use them on lessons, simulator time, food, drinks, a lot more. If you haven't been to Five Iron Golf, dude, uh, make plans this weekend. It's it's awesome. Five Iron Golf, downtown Cincinnati, fiveirongolf.com. Uh, founding memberships available. I'm actually going to Five Iron Golf tomorrow. Get some swings in. Maybe I'll see you there. Again, dad15 to uh, get gift cards at fiveirongolf.com, downtown Cincinnati's newest sports bar. We are done. Don't forget, Tony and Austin have Cincy 360 tomorrow at noon. We return at 3.05 and uh, hopefully another Reds win to talk about. Have a great night. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Taryn for producing. This is ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often.